Oh, here we go. There we are. Yeah. Welcome to the Blockument. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Crypto education through everyday conversations. I'm getting the tagline better and better every time. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm almost going to memorize it. <laughs> it's only been, what, this is episode 20? This is episode 20. Merry 20th episode to yeah. you. Oh, and a merry one to you as well. And Thank all to you, you out and there. all to you who have been listening <laughs> and going on. And if yeah. you haven't, you're just catching back up. Then real still merry 20th episode because even if this is the first episode you're hearing, yeah. it's our 20th. Join yeah. the party. Yeah. All right. So, where are we at in the mempool today? What block height are we recording this at? Okay, we are recording at block number 800,918. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, And then the block size is 1.95 megabytes. Yay. And that is comprised of 4,490 transactions. Lots of transactions. Um, the subsidies and fees are 6.339 Bitcoin, which makes that valued at uh, 186,339 USD. Um, and right. the winner of that was Poolin. Poolin. That's a cute little name. Yeah. I, never, I don't think we've heard of that one yet on the show. Yeah, they uh, they are not one of the big two or three. So good for them. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> we like our smaller mining pools, and we really love it when our independent miners win those blocks. That's right. Propagate that decentralization even further. Um, subsidy and fees. You said that, and um, I had mentioned probably in the past couple episodes about the uh, having coming up uh, in less than a year. And so that subsidy and fees is going to be dropping. By half, yeah? Well, the subsidy part, by half. So right now it's 6.25, and sometime around April next year, it'll be, what's half of 6.25? 3.125? Sure. Public yeah. math. <laughs> um, so there's a big uh, dilemma in the Bitcoin community about that, because... There's this is the game theory. We did an episode on game theory, so go back and check that episode out if you want to know what I'm talking about right this second. But the part of the game theory on Bitcoin is every four years we drop the subsidy, the free Bitcoin that just minted out of thin air, until um, that drops to zero. And that'll be right under 21 million Bitcoin. And then the reason is because there should be so much usage, mm. the fees should take place of the subsidy and still make it worth it for miners. That's interesting. So uh, will it be equivalent or around the same like USD value or not unless fees pick up dramatically. So a few months ago, the, uh, I mean, it's still around today at this block height, but uh, a few months ago, the big, um, um, the big thing in Bitcoin was ordinals and BRC20s, uh, you know, how to do NFTs on Bitcoin mm-hmm. main chain, which was driving fees up. And for the first time in, I think, history, um, um, there was a uh, the fees were more than the subsidy. So we got 6.2, whoever won that um, block. 
they got 6.25 Bitcoin for the subsidy, mm-hmm. but they made more than 6.25 Bitcoin in fees. Holy That's the game theory weighing out, right? Yeah. That sort of goes also into like the scalability, decentralization stuff. So also check out the past episode we did on the trilemma and why that matters. That matters a lot in the game theory of Bitcoin. It's an upcoming. Upcoming. Oh, the upcoming. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done it yet. The the trilemma. Well, if you pay attention to block height, and this is why we read block yeah, height. Yeah. Some shows we do live, like right now. Some shows we do pre-recorded. This yeah. is how we um can pick up the rate to our weekly show, which after episode twenty we will be going weekly instead of bi-weekly. Yes. And uh, not every show will be live though. So yes. So you're you're welcome. Yep. You're welcome. You get more of more of more Ashley. Of this so you're welcome. And more of And you that. get more of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So what are we talking about today, Ash? Today we are talking about why do modern economics matter? Why do modern economics matter? Yeah. I don't know cuz money. <laughs> I know and uh, I just know that you're going to ask me and make me answer. <laughs> so go ahead and do it. Um why do modern economics matter? Um I'm I a good I I feel that the answer is that they do matter and they matter a lot. Um but why? Mhm. <sighs> Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to, by the end of this episode, have an answer for that. All right. Well, let's take it one <laughs> step back. What are modern economics? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The study of money and the flow of money? Yeah, sort of. Okay. Um. All right. What are economics? Yeah, that's my answer. Right. Um, <laughs> Stop asking me questions now. Right. So we've done sort of uh, episodes on like what is money, money versus finance, which sort of hint around to some of this stuff. Um, so you should definitely go back and either review those episodes. Me. Anybody. <laughs> yes, you too. Um, but um, this dives a little bit deeper, right? So... As a recap of the past shows that we've slightly covered some of this stuff on, right? Economics. You got money, right? We talked about what is money. And money is like your the base thing. It's the thing we store value in, mm-hmm. right? So there's the cheat answer for back in history. Like, what is money? Mm-hmm. Made you answer that, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. where you store your value. Today, we, well, relatively today, we store it in physical bills called dollars, if you're in the US, or euros, if you're in Europe, or whatever your local currency is. But more realistically, we're getting more and more to where we store it in these on, um, these ledgers, right? And I'm not talking about blockchain, I'm talking about like Excel or Google Sheets, where the banks keep the tally of who owes what, right? Money's more of this entry on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, that's sort of what you would consider M0 money, right? And that's like an economic term. It's your base money. It doesn't get any more raw form than that besides actual work produced. Mm. If I'm losing you, not me, but you're like saying, you go to your job. Yeah. You trade uh, if you have a job and you're not doing something else to make money, right? But if you work a job, mm-hmm. um, you're trading your labor mm-hmm. for future purchasing power. Okay, okay, okay. And that's stored in what we call money. They yeah. pay you this okay. money yes. and then you can in the future go and buy food with that mm-hmm. or pay rent mm-hmm. or whatever you're doing with yes. that. Okay. That is money. That's your ba- whatever you store that spent labor. Yeah. 
right? And that's why like things like inflation and all that become important because what that's really doing is you spent eight hours and they gave you, I don't know what's the thing, someplace between 50 and 70 bucks mm-hmm. a day or so. That would be like close to minimum wage, I think, uh, on public pre-taxes care. and all that. <laughs> but let's say 50 bucks a day. You're making right. 50 bucks a day. You spent eight hours. You've earned $50. That $50 represents... I've stored some labor. I've done proof of work. I've worked. Yep. Here's my proof. Yep. Somebody gave me this. Yep. Then three days later, you take part of that and go buy dinner. Mm-hmm. A restaurant or whatever accepts that money because they know there's work stored into that stored labor. Yep, yep, yep. Very base money. Yep. All right. So go listen to what is money to get a more grounded concept of all mm-hmm. that. But that's important to have this rest of this conversation. All you can do with base money is trade it, right? If yeah. you are if you leave it on a very basic thing. I, you give it to me for doing some labor. I give it to Alice for for some food. Alice gives it to Bob to buy supplies. Bob mm-hmm. gives it to whoever down the supply chain, mm-hmm. right? That's base money. But you can't economies, right? Society doesn't scale very well on just base money, right? Okay. So you need to have the ability. Economies scale. Societies grow by introducing um, new utility for money, like lending, mm. right? I want to start a business. I either have to trade all of my labor hours for base money until I have enough to start my business, which mm-hmm. could take forever, yeah. if ever, because I still have to pay for everyday living. Right. Um, or you can go to somebody and borrow some money mm-hmm. with the promise to pay that back with interest over time. Right, and they'll give me the money to start my business if they like my business idea, etc. Most people know how basic lending works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, soon as you do that, you're not talking about base money anymore. Now you're starting to talk about economics, right? That's what economics is—the things you can do with money besides just earn it and trade it. So I have a question then: um, Is finance and economics—they're not—are they synonymous? Finance, yeah, economics is sort of like the study of finance. Mm, it's the okay. study of what you do w- of okay. of money. And, um, Just I only know, ask go, because go to go to the dictionary some to get the exact. I'm not giving you the textbook yeah, definition, yeah, yeah. but in general, yes, yeah. finance is the things you do with the money. Economics is like the study of oh, all okay, of that. Okay, because I was asking because on our our um, finance episode, money versus finance, I'm like you're kind of describing finance, but yeah. So that's what finance is. So economics is the study of all of that. Okay. Right? Very good. So you got money, you got finance, and then economics and economy scale up. Okay. The, the study, how does this work, and what are some new things we can do with it. Okay. Um, and so now we know what economics is. So what do we mean by modern economics? What do you mean by modern economics? You asked the question. I know. The economics that are happening today. The economics that are happening today. <laughs> all right. So... Another thing most people I don't think really realize is really two things. One, everything we know, I'm gonna. This is all gonna be from a um, Western culture, U.S. centric point of view. Okay. Um, some things change. The basics are the same, but how they apply and how different economies apply these studies differ a little bit. We'll get into that in a minute. Um. But for clarity, I'm talking about from a U.S. and Western-centric point of view. Um, Everything we know about money today, 
that we feel like is, well, it has to be. You have to have the government print money because it's just what we do. And right. you got to use dollars for this or that. You have to do X, Y, and Z because it's what we always do. Mm -hmm. Every single, pretty much every single thing we do mm -hmm. that we've been doing, quote, unquote, forever, has only been happening mm -hmm. since the mid-1700s, mm -hmm. right? Um, around the time America was... Uh, doing the revolution, right? Okay. It's a little revolting thing. <laughs> um, there was a guy, I think from definitely in the UK. I don't know if he was like in Wing England or Scotland. I don't know what part, but in the UK, um, named Adam Smith, mm. right? Um, I'm going to say England because that sounds like a very English <laughs> name. <laughs> Correct us in the comments or <laughs> right. tweet us. Um, Adam Smith is considered like the father of economics. And he fits into something you, you had asked offline about before, which is classic economics. Mm -hmm. He wrote a book called The Wealth of Nations. Um, this is what got Alexander Hamilton um, of U.S. fame and the <laughs> Treasury Department, forming Treasury Department. Mm -hmm. This was like the book that changed... Alexander Hamilton's life hmm. and changed his whole viewpoint on how money works. Like it shifted. So those two were alive at the same time? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Adam Smith came out with the book. Alexander Hamilton was reading it as a young man. Then the American Revolution happened. Then the U.S. government formed. Mm. We were trying to figure out as the U.S. how we're going to do money. Mm -hmm. And he, based off of Adam Smith's writings, is how the Treasury Department and Pretty much the base money system was formed in the U.S. was based off of Adam Smith writings. Oh, wow. Right? And then that's classic economics right there. That's um, like the, uh, the uh, invisible hand and a lot of the supply-demand, the, the wrong theory of barter and trade historically happening. Mm -hmm. Right? Adam Smith. It, we're still talking about middle mid 18th century, right? 17, early 1700s. Um, we didn't really have a lot of research on what happened in the past, right. right? You only knew what pretty much happened. Maybe you're in the past generation, everything else turned into that telephone game type system. Yeah. And he was trying to sit around and think like, all right, well, if we're using money now, what did we use before money? Well, I know right now if I don't have money and you don't have money, but you got something I want and I got something you want, we trade. Yeah. It's called barter. Mm -hmm. So before money, everybody must have done that. And so he wrote that. That's what everybody did. <laughs> and then everybody took that as fact. Oh, wow. Even though there's zero geogra geographic or... Um, um, like historic? No. Yeah, there's no historic physical evidence that any society at scale, right, over a few maybe dozen people, mm -hmm. um, so a very small village, mm -hmm. um, and even them, there's zero evidence that barter ever existed on as a driver of an economic. I remember when you first told me that, and it like, yeah. kind of like blew my mind. Um, it was like a pattern interrupt for me, kind of. Yeah. And if you listen to the our money episode, you'll you'll understand why. Right. Like why that is. Yeah. Um, and so that even to this day. Right. Mm -hmm. It's classic economics. People who study economics and how money works and all this stuff, they use a lot of these. Some are quasi groundbreaking, if not groundbreaking outright. 
some are mythical and wrong mm-hmm. as most grand scale discoveries are, right? Some mm-hmm. things you get wrong, some things you get right. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's classic economics, right? Um, we're talking about modern economics. Mm-hmm. Now, modern economics really based off of class, all of them that I, to my knowledge, right? I'm not a scholastically studied <laughs> economist. Yeah. Um, but the um, there's three main branches of um, economics right now. There are three main ways of thinking. Okay. There are dozens of subgroups, right? So you can get very picky if you are an economist. You're going to break the, all these down to you. But we're going to keep it very high level. There's three main branches right now. Um, all of them stem from classical economics. So that's why Adam Smith, if you have a chance, go check out um, The Wealth of Nations mm. um, or at least watch a documentary or something about it. That'll mm. give you a ground understanding of classical economics. Um, but after the Great Depression happened, right, that hurt yeah. a lot of people, right? Um, and so these Huge debates started happening around classic economics and what works and what doesn't work and what should we change. And one of the biggest fundamental differences um, in all of that was revolves around governmental intervention, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Again, today we think governments and stuff have always had this kind of power over money. And now there's some truth in that, like... Governments have a long history of intervention in money systems, but what's different between today and historic is governments didn't have absolute control. They didn't have minting authority over base money. Back in the day, you're saying? Back in the day. Okay. Right, that M0. Mm-hmm. Up until the 1970s, no society at scale ever had what we call fiat money. Mm-hmm. And that's what the difference in fiat money is. Fiat money is money that the government can mint from thin air. Just poof, here it is. Yeah. Right? Before that, before 1971, yeah. all money, mm-hmm. all base money, mostly in 1971 and for, I want to say a couple thousand years before that, mm-hmm. um, and for a history of about 5,000 years total, Gold was the M0 money, mm-hmm. right? Um, so gold was it. I found this gold, and now I got the gold, and now I will mint new dollars based off of the gold that backs mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? And then it started as a one-to-one ratio, right? Then it went to a fractional reserve. So before I needed one ounce of gold for every $1 bill, then I was like, well, a half ounce of gold will do a $1 bill. Well, a quarter ounce of gold will yeah. do a one. Until 71 when Nixon <laughs> took took us off the gold standard uh, and everybody else on the planet was pretty much on a dollar standard Yeah. on the assumption that it would be backed on the gold standard. And he was like, nah, no, not no more. Right? Um, and then we had fiat money. It was the first time. Um, so Great Depression hit, this is in the 20s, mm-hmm. um, before Nixon took us off. We still had gold back, but we were fractionalizing it more and more, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we had to get over it, and this is what sparked some of the debates. So you had two main lines of thinking, right? You had this, what's called Keynesian economics. Okay. Um, 
started by mostly by led by this guy named um, John Menard Keynes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had Austrian economics, which was led by, and this is why I'm not an economist because the <laughs> names um, Hayek. I can't remember his first name. We can Google it real quick. But okay. um, a guy named Hayek was led, they led these two sort of debate structures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they um. So it's Keynesian, Austrian. Yep. Okay. We'll get to the third okay. because that comes later in history, okay. later in modern times. Okay. So you have classical economics, basically with Adam Smith. Mm-hmm. His line of thinking was market drives everything. This is like the birth of capitalism. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna right? say sounds like capitalism. Um, it's like markets drive prices. That's the invisible hand of the markets. And, you know, you need probably no government intervention, let the markets do their thing. Okay. And people were really happy with that until the Great Depression hit. Oh, yeah. Right? And when the Great Depression hit, it hurt so many people. The the, the Keynes and the Keynesian line of thinking was like, no, no, no. Look, we need, we can't have people suffer like this. Yeah. Government, government's role is to lay this base layer for society. Part of that is making sure people don't suffer economically. Therefore, we need way more government intervention, right? Mm-hmm. When times are tough, government needs to basically produce more money. Now, they couldn't just print money back then. And so that was done through, you know, playing games with taxation. That was done through, like, this is where, like, uh, job works programs really started to stem up from like look let's build up some roads create jobs pay people so they got money right and we Mm -hmm. can balance that out and then if inflation or something starts to pick up because we got too many jobs and you can tax them pull the money back into the system right and get this baseline this is the cons this is where like the concept of governments push for about two percent inflation every year Mm -hmm. um this is where the, all the, these concepts are sort of born out of these Keynesian economic structures, mm-hmm. right? Um, where the Austrians were more more aligned with classical economics. So like, no, 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 that's a horrible idea, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are going to get lazy. Um, people aren't going to be, if they never have to worry about hard times, yeah. then they won't. And when hard times hit, they won't be prepared. Yeah. It's better to take these little suffering, and when times are good, people will learn to set aside for tough times. And when times are tough, they can draw on those savings to get them through the tough times yeah. and let natural ebb and flow ha- occur, right? This is much more aligned with like the classic economics yeah. type thing. So in that Austrian, is there still some government intervention? Like, How does that make it different? No, it's, it's very minimal, if any. So how does it make it different from classic? It's not. Austrian is really more aligned to classic. Okay. Um, there's. Um, they just gave it a new name. Like for yeah. Well, years. these were like the Austrian thinkers. I think they were from Austria, which is why mm-hmm. it's called Austrian economics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just more in line with that. I mean, classic. Like I said, there's a lot of wrong thinking in classical economics, like mm-hmm. the barter. Trade thing, but where they really align is like you need this hard base money. Both Mm -hmm. of them believed in hard base money. Austrian took that concept and really ran with it. So, this is where you get most people who are like gold bugs Mm -hmm. um, or heavy just into gold, period, like 
in the, as a belief of yeah. store of value. Um, yeah, they mostly follow Austrian economics because you need that. Money should be backed by something beyond human control. Gold is that, right? Okay. Um, a star essentially has to blow up to produce gold. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, that's where gold comes from. Oh, I did not know that. Anytime a star blows up, gold gets sprinkled. So a star blew up someplace, landed in some meteors, hit the earth during its formation. Yeah. And wow, now we dig it up. Okay, so a tangent really quick. Like a shooting star makes gold? Well, if the shooting star is like a meteor from, yeah. well, it can't make it because the shooting star isn't really a star, right? Oh, shooting okay. star is just a meteor. LOL. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyways, best <laughs> Um, Yeah, but like when the sun blows up, when our sun blows up, yeah. gold could be produced. Wow, cool. Right? <laughs> um, but this is why they're like, well, there's gold floating around space. So, yeah, it's limited here on Earth, but once Elon gets up to space... And finds a gold meteor, yeah, and pulls and chugs in a thirty trillion dollar piece of gold. I don't know if I'm the only like goes, not smart person who didn't know this, but that's why a lot of these movies from space make a lot of sense. They were saying, "Oh, there's lots of precious metal on this yeah. meteor," and I'm always like, just randomly, it's on there. Yeah, but now I get it. Thank you. Yep, yep. welcome. <laughs> and that was today's science. Segment. Yeah, I'm like, there's nothing to do with, it, but whatever. <laughs> uh, well, it does have a lot to do with it because this is why gold is considered valuable. It's yeah, that's true. It can be formed to do a lot of things. It's like it's not the only space rock, but it has these certain features that make it easy for us to use as money. It's hard to produce because you got to blow up a star. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, it's easy to manipulate. You can take the rock and turn it into a coinage. You can do all these other little things with it, right? We now use it in electronics. Yeah. So it has these other use cases. So there's a lot of benefits in using that versus something like platinum or silver or copper. Do you think one day it could be 3D printed? I think it can be 3D printed. probably can be 3D printed today. Wow. And be... So we don't need to blow up stars Every anymore. test we have, yeah. So every test we have for gold could be mute, a moot point at this point. So that could probably play a factor into modern economics, too, because... Well, it will, yeah. because it's one, of, it's, one of the th- it's one of the four things we'll discuss today. Okay, perfect. Um, so we got... Austrian, we got Keynesian, mm-hmm. right? We know Adam Smith really kicked off the revolution. The Great Depression sort of changed our minds about some things mm-hmm. as on a societal level, mm-hmm. and it fractured us, right? We had basically an Austrian line of thinking and a Keynesian line of thinking. And as these debates um, went on, governments who've always had their hand in the pot, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not saying like government's never been involved in money. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always had their hand in the pot. They went towards Keynesian line of thinking. Now, they're going to say because the we don't want people to suffer. The government, you're saying? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They want to say because people want to suffer, but if you have a little bit of healthy um, conspiracy mindset, you know it's because they realize also maybe, yes, they wanted to help people. The politicians at the time wanted to help people, but they also realized we get to control money Mm -hmm. and spending and can do more. Mm -hmm. Maybe they thought so we could help even more people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, (laughs) intentions. (laughs) For you to decide. And even if it was their best intentions, you know, what do they say? Uh, Best intentions are pathway to something evil, whatever. Yeah. I get what you're you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. Picking (laughs) up what I'm laying down. Um, So... Keynesian took off, and now the entire, well, 
up until around 2008, mm -hmm. the entire world pretty much used Keynesian economics, at least the Western world, okay. right? Um, used Keynesian economics um, as their base for all of their economic thinking, right? Now, again, this is the high level. There are obviously sub parts of Keynesian that different economies have tried and experimented with, but on a high level, they're Keynesian. Um, Austrian economics is not used and has never been used uh, at scale in any society. There's no nation you can point to and be like, well, they do Austrian, and it works out better than Keynesian, right? We've tried Keynesian, and then you have Austrian um, people who have this Austrian line of thinking who voice that and try to influence some things, but we don't have any main examples of an economy ran off of Austrian economics. So Austrian economics, this is a big difference. Dif differentiation between yeah. the two. Keynesian economics, we actually have a sample size. We can look at every modern economy, yeah. especially Western economies, um, and be like, that's Keynesian economics at play. Does it work or doesn't it? With Austrian economics, yeah. it's all speculative. So is there any other that we have like a market sample size? Like, is there any sort of other economic system? Yes. So, Keynesian, after so many years of Keynesian economics, um, remember the key, well, let me give you a, a, a mid-show quiz. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> because this is important to understand before we go further. Okay. I don't want to lose anybody. Okay. Um, especially you. Okay, let's do it. There is... <laughs> In a very general summary, mm -hmm. what's the key difference between Keynesian economics and Austrian economics? Government intervention. Government intervention. Oh, Boom. See, you aced it. You aced it. Right? <laughs> Keynesians don't want to see anybody suffer. Austrians are like, I don't want to see anybody suffer, but it's better for them to suffer a yeah. little bit yeah. in little chunks. It's like tough love. Because what we've seen for sure mm -hmm. with Keynesian economics is when things we sort of pad everything, right? And it builds up and builds up and it gives us perception that everything's good when the pillars holding it up are garbage. Yeah. Right? Crumbling. Yeah, it's like you have the best house on the block but yeah. your foundation is made out of uh, termite paper. infested, <laughs> yeah, wood or something, right? Yeah. And so it looks great, but as soon as that infrastructure crumbles, mm -hmm. it crumbles hard. Yeah. It's like a bubble kind of. It's a bubble. Okay. Right? Um and the suffering you see from that can become much worse than just a bunch of little dips. Yeah, okay. Right? Um, so 2008 hits, mm -hmm. right? And yep. we, finance has gotten out of control at this point. Mm -hmm. And we essentially, do we lose our foundation and crumble? Well, our foundation was, <laughs> yeah, garbage. Okay. Like, if for anybody who doesn't know, um, A, go watch, like, The Big Short. It's, a, mm. in my opinion, very good narrative of what happened in 2008 during that yeah. Great Recession piece. And very entertaining. It's very entertaining, but the key points are fairly accurate. I haven't heard anybody on any side of the debate look at that movie and be like, that's all falsehoods, mm -hmm. right? There's little things I'm sure they point to, yeah. but on the most part, it'll give you a good idea. But essentially what happened is you took a bunch of bad debt mm -hmm. and wrapped it up and resold it like it was the best flavor, economic flavor of the month. Mm -hmm. Right. So foundation was garbage. And when it hit, it hit hard. Everybody who's, you know, 
was alive or born around 2008 felt the effects of that, yeah. right? Um, and since around 2000, 2001, after the dot-com bubble, there was this new line of thinking coming around based off of Keynesian. But it was like, all right, we've been doing this Keynesian thing for a while, right? And it really seems like we do really good at controlling economies. You know, 2% interest. We're now off of the gold standard. So we can print 2% inflation. Okay. Yeah. I said something different. Interest. Interest. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Strike that from the record. <laughs> um, yeah, we had about 2% inflation works. We can control it because we totally can control the money supply. And, again, on the national level, things that people don't realize, right? a lot of people talk about taxes. Mm-hmm. And taxes obviously exist because we all have to pay them. But why do we pay them, yeah, right? Why? <laughs> now, why? for state, county, city taxes, yeah. they don't get to print their own money. If you want good roads, mm-hmm. you need to pay a tax to have that infrastructure laid yeah. down. Like the community needs to come together, Correct. pay their part. Yeah. Correct. But if you want, when you talk about federal funding, mm-hmm. They don't need to tax you. They print the money. Yeah. This is what the debate is every couple of years about, you know, raising the debt ceiling yeah. and doing all this. Yeah. And they just print their own money and pay off their debt. But yet they still tax us. Well, they tax us. This is how they control inflation. So yeah. to keep it at 2% inflation, generally what they would do, right, is if inflation, they felt inflation was going to get out of rate, they generally like raise taxes. Now they just raise interest rates, which is theoretically almost the same thing. It's just taxation in a different form, right? But they tax you to rein in inflation, and then when inflation's getting low, if it's dropping below 2%, they'll print more money to get the inflation back up. Yep. And another pop quiz. Oh, Jesus. See if you can answer before Ashley does. This is your at-home participation piece. Answer before her. All right. Um, What? Why inflation mm-hmm. and not deflation? Why do they focus on 2% inflation, not 2% deflation? Um, because if you increase the supply of money, then growth can happen. True. How does growth happen? Um, because you can use that money to progress and like buy things, like pay for things that you wouldn't normally be able to, like finance. Sort of. I'm going to give everybody at home an extra three seconds to see if they can get what I'm thinking. Okay. Two, three. All right. So you're sort of right. Okay. It's all comes back to game theory, right? The idea is if you have hard money, like gold, Mm -hmm. that if you have an ounce of gold, and today an ounce of gold can buy you a house, but tomorrow an ounce of gold can buy you a block of houses, Mm -hmm. are you going to spend the gold today or tomorrow? Mm, Tomorrow. But in three days, that ounce of gold will buy you a neighborhood of houses. Mm-hmm. Are you going to buy spend the money tomorrow or in three days? Three days. Right. So essentially, it is, that's deflation. The thing you're storing your purchasing power in oh. gets stronger over time. Yeah. You don't ever want to spend it. Yeah. You're actually only going to spend it if you're starving and in the middle of a rain hailstorm yeah. for shelter and food. Yeah. Other than that, you don't want to spend it at all. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if Alice opens up a little shop at the corner and she's selling knickknacks, mm-hmm. are you going to go buy a knickknack? It's like, <laughs> no. Shit, no. In a week, I'll be able to buy your store. Yeah. Right? Deflation does not help uh, an economy grow. Okay. Right? 
inflation, on the other hand, if you have an ounce of gold and today it'll buy you a house, tomorrow it'll only buy you a studio or apartment, <laughs> are you going to spend it today or tomorrow? Today. Today. This is how dollars are paid. This is the idea of dollars. In three days, you can buy a door. Right. (laughs) And then a doorknob. Yeah. And then a screw. Yeah. And then you can't even get a penny candy anymore. Then sorry. Right. (laughs) This is inflation. This is the mindset. This is what Keynesian economics sort of drove. Right. Okay. I need you to get your purchasing power. You're going to spend your labor. Mm-hmm. This is tying all of that earlier conversation mm-hmm. together. You spend your purchasing power, or you, you, you spend your labor. Mm-hmm. You receive a receipt that reserves that purchasing power so you can spend it in the future. Receipt being like a dollar. Like a dollar bill. Okay. And then, or an ounce of gold in our example. Okay. And then the government tomorrow, the government says, yeah, but if you don't spend that dollar today or that mm-hmm. ounce of gold today, mm-hmm. we're going to make sure tomorrow you can buy less with it. Mm-hmm. Go shop at Alice's store and so it, get something. It incentivizes, what does it call, like velocity of money? Velocity of money, right. It, it incentivizes the spending. This is why you're sort of right. Like, it incentivizes you to spend. Yeah. Deflation incentivizes you to save. Mm-hmm. Keynesian economics, part of that is we want people to spend, and we want to make sure the floor stays good for them so they can keep spending. Mm-hmm. Austrian economics is like we want people to save. Mm. We want them to spend when necessary, not live a life of excessive luxury, mm-hmm. right? But more think, can I afford that luxury? I'm going to buy a bigger house because I've I've saved so well. Yeah, I can afford to just spend that, and it doesn't hurt me if yeah. things take a negative turn. Almost like being like more responsible. <laughs> <laughs> and we that, know that's we don't a want crazy that. thought. Yeah, <laughs> because history shows us. Yeah. Right. That it, do you do you like your iPhone? Of course. Do you enjoy the new shoes you went and bought? Absolutely. How do you like this fancy uh, podcast studio we're in? Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Inflation. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Inflation does that for you. Right. We don't have strong examples though of the other way of thinking, the Austrian line of thinking. Mm-hmm. But arguably speaking deflation would not do that for you. We may be, this is my own non-educated perspective of it all, but I feel like if we did in the, when the Keynesian Austrian economic debate started, or even back in like the 1800s, right? If we had started going down the line of deflationary thinking instead of inflationary thinking, Mm -hmm. the sort of the Austrian mindset, we'd probably be much sounder, stronger economies mm-hmm. on an individual level mm-hmm. people would be better off financially mm-hmm. but we'd probably also be living in like 1960s or 70s technology yeah I've, I've heard of that yeah right so most of the stuff you have today wouldn't even have been invented because yeah. the economic drivers weren't there money people aren't looking right. to spend money vcs aren't out there throwing money because i know this is why rich people wealthy people don't hold their money in right. dollars. Right, because they know. They buy stocks, yeah. they invest in companies because they know that will outpace the inflation. I'm yeah. losing 2% of my money every single year under standard Keynesian. Right. So you got to make at least like 2.25. Like you got to at least make 2% profit. You got to make your even. purchasing power, that ounce of gold has to buy yeah. 2% more just to break even. Yeah. Right? Just to retain value. Yeah. Right. And so while us plebs go out there and buy new TVs and cars yeah. and sh- that loses their value, yeah. 
wealthy people buy businesses or sound assets, income-producing assets, income-producing assets, assets, right, that hedges inflation. That's why gold as an investment has historically been this thing. And so 2008 happened, and one of the lines of thinking was with the Keynesian is, look, we're doing pretty good at manipulating all of this and making this work. Mm -hmm. We probably don't, that rule set we sort of follow, they still, Keynesian still sort of followed the pieces of the classical economics, right? Um, like, all right, we, we can't let it get too out of control. We have to be responsible spending. If you're older than, like, 25, you probably remember a time. Like, we're getting into a presidential cycle in the U.S. right now. Mm-hmm. Now, before Obama, the, in my memory, as a main piece of the conversation, when Obama first ran, so in 2008, mm-hmm. a major piece of that conversation was getting our spending under control, worrying about our deficit, mm-hmm. worrying about the debt, right? We have to pay this down. We have to do something about this. That's still Ken, That was still Keynesian thinking, right? Mm-hmm. But they're like, look, we can't just, even though we can print money, we have to be responsible with printing money, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> now we've had one, two, three yeah. election cycles since then. Yeah. Do you remember in the past three election cycles them talking about responsible spending? <laughs> no. No. Democrat or Republican. They don't give yeah, a shit about that I know. Anymore. That's why I'm laughing so hard because it's like. This is called modern monetary theory. This is an actual. Where they just like spend until infinity? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Why does it matter that we're printing more money? We can, we, we can, it's a mind game. Mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey, who founded Twitter and Square, mm-hmm. which is now Block and Cash, all that stuff, um, he posted on Twitter maybe a year ago now, right? He was like, um, it was something about hyperinflation, because, you know, a bunch of countries around the world are suffering from hyper, hyperinflation, Venezuela, Turkey, like every place. Yeah. Um, he made this statement and he's like, the U.S. isn't excluded from this, right? Uh-huh. Isn't excluded? Is not excluded from this hyperinflation cycle. Yeah. Like, we're not, like, safe. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. A bunch of economists and politicians came out the woodwork. Not to tell them, like, no, you're wrong. Here's the counter argument. U.S. is safe. Yeah. The little argument, the mainstream argument that Jack, that he faced was, you can't say that. <laughs> In if public? people think it's possible, it will happen. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. What kind of inflation won't happen? Their argument is inflation and these things won't happen if people don't think they can happen. Okay. Yeah. That is silly. I think so too. <laughs> but that's this is the line of thinking. But this is what you have to sort of dig into. This is the core of modern monetary thinking. All now, money is made up. I'll give them credit on a piece of this, right? Yeah. At its very roots, there's a lot of truth there. Mm-hmm. We made money. You can't go into nature and find money, right? Right. We made that up out of our heads, yeah. So we could interact with each other, mm-hmm. right, and do trade. So they are right. Anything in that is made up. However, my line of thinking mm-hmm. is that even though we've made that up, even though it's totally imaginary. Natural, there, there then forms these inner natural laws like 
inflation deflation cycles mm -hmm. that just happen based off of that. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of classical economics thinking as well and Austrian thinking as well, which is like there's an ebb and flow to all of this. We made it up, but now within our little bubble of uh, imagination, there's rules that happen. Yeah. Modern monetary theorists tend to feel like, nah, well, that's we can I, control all of those sub rules. So that's what I was going to say. So like, because I was going to ask like a definition, I was going to try to give one for modern. Like, we can pr money is made up so we can print into infinity because there are no repercussions because we think that we can control every. Uh, situation that might, might rise. That is exactly what an anti-modern monetary theorist would be like, yeah, that's what they think. <laughs> I, that's what I would say they would think. Okay, yes. what do they think they think? I think what they think they think is... <laughs> <laughs> what do they think they think they think? <laughs> right. I think, being fair to them, they, they are of the mindset that money is made up. Okay. And since it's not backed on anything at this time, we have a fiat system and governments control it. As long as the government is responsible in the messaging and the narrative they tie around it, okay. then the economy won't suffer. I think it's exactly what they said it is, right? It's like if people think times are tough, times are going to be tough. If people think, people think times are going to be great, times are going to be great. It's and, really and that's sort of panned out. Like look at the past few years. So we had COVID, right? COVID hit. And they needed to print a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot of debate. On, there was a lot of debate on what the outcomes of that would be. I was anti the. I I, I felt the consequences was going to be we're going to see this massive inflation. We're going to see everything we've seen. Yeah. That was mine and many 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 other people's mindset. Right. Was there another one? Yes. Um. And we'll get to that. That was my mindset. But for me, at least, I was like, I don't know if I was in their shoes. Mm -hmm. If I got to make the decision, right. I probably still would have chose the same thing they chose. Yeah. The difference being I would have prepared more for the downfall. Like, look, this is going to get us through the next few years, but then things are going to be bad. I, and that just would have been my message. Like, I don't know any other way to fix this. We got to mm -hmm. print more money. I'm not going to allow you to go to work. I'm not going to allow you to go see family. I'm going to keep you in your house. I'm going to mm -hmm. shut businesses down. I'm going to make you show. I do, I do a lot of side work for school districts. Mm -hmm. When the lockdowns happened, those school districts had to write me a letter that I carried in the car with me. So if I got pulled over for oh, being yeah. outside of my house, I could show them the letter like, yeah. no, I'm an essential worker. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, if I'm going to lay that kind of premise down for everybody, mm-hmm. Everybody realizes, well, shit, the economy stops. Mm -hmm. That 2% inflation is gone because ain't nobody spending now. Yeah. I need to find a way to get people money so they still at least spend online, do something. So right? essentially it, it transitioned into an Austrian because they were like, save, save, save. And there was no No, no, it did not No, it didn't transfer to oh, okay. Austrian. They were just like print, print, print. Mm -hmm. But here's the different line of thinking. Okay. I would have I would have made the same decision. Okay. This is me just trying to give them credit right. on an apart, right? right? It's not like I would have done something different. Right. The difference would have been I would have printed the money and be like, look, this is to get us through right now. Mm -hmm. Once things open back up, once we try to start returning to normal, mm -hmm. quote unquote normal, mm -hmm. um, 
is going to be tough. I just need you all to know that now. It's like, going to be tough. Don't come yelling at me. I'm telling you now. Like being transparent. Here's about your $1,200 what the check. Yeah. Sign the line that just says you understand in a couple yeah. of years, times are going to be tough. Yeah. Right? What they did is say, here's 1200 bucks. We're going to print more money. And then when people like me were like, eh, but what about the tough times? Like, how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, there can be no tough times. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Everything's, Everything's going to be pink. Sunshine and rainbows. And then when it wasn't, because supply chains backed up and things, then all of a sudden, and this is what they strike from the record, this is the 1984 of society. Uh, even if you remember, it might be hard to find evidence. No, 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 there's not going to be any inflation. That went a year later to, yeah, yeah, there's inflation, but it's transitory inflation. Mm-hmm. It's not real inflation. Mm-hmm. All right, maybe it's not transitory inflation, but it's supply chain, supply chain problems. It's still not a problem. All right, maybe it's a little bit of a problem, but we're going to start raising interest rates, and we're not going to see a recession. We're just going to have a soft landing. All right, maybe it's not going to be a soft landing, but it's going to be landable. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've been going through these cycles, and now it's to a point where it's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I inflation, and this is the num- the games they play. This is all part of the modern monetary thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Well, even before I get into that, the, why did they say all that? Did they believe it? Did Jerome Powell and and probably oh, just oh, not oh. to incite panic? Yeah, that's really what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. The thinking of modern monetary theory is if I keep their minds right, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. So even though in my head I know if things keep going the way they're going, mm-hmm. we're screwed. I can't say it because if I say it, then everybody will prep for it and it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Which well, there's truth into it. They can't panic. It's just it's, it's I don't know. It seems it seems like it's they're just kicking the can down the road and it's eventually going to happen. But then it co- falls back into the 2008 situation where everything's fine. Everything's fine. And it's built on a poor foundation until one day something happens that's outside of their control. And then. Boom. Then boom. Like a real estate bubble. Like but that's coming from someone who doesn't know anything about right. economics. So, but this is just the baseline of thinking. It's like, yes, I agree with you. I think, I personally think there's different ways to approach it. I agree with them that because it's made up, we can sort of control the narrative. The difference is, do you, are, are humans mature enough Right? Mm -hmm. To accept the truth and learn about these things and then make their own well-balanced decisions that will impact the entire society or uh, as a politician or an appointee or bureaucrat, am I responsible for mind thought Mm -hmm. control, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, no, I'm not going to even allow you to have this option. Everything's good. I would say that until they are given the option to learn and become responsible, they're not going to be able to. Well, right, but uh, who's going to teach them? The hard time that they have to go through. Right, but I'm not going to let you go through hard times. That's what I'm saying. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, this is where we're at. This is modern economics, and now you have one, now you have two other outcomes, right? So we have... Classical economics with Adam Smith. Mm-hmm. Go read The Wealth of Nations. Mm-hmm. You have Keynesian economics, which is like, all right, let's take some of those principles of classical, but let's let's add more controls to it so people don't suffer. Government intervention. Through government intervention. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, but unintended consequences. You have Austrian economics, which is like, no, 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 we need hard money, right? We want very little government control. We need very hard money that are out of control of people. The downside of it, right? 
because um, me personally, obviously I'm not a Keynesian and obviously I'm not a modern monetary theorist, but I'm also wouldn't consider myself an Austrian either. Right. I don't know. We don't know what Austrian economics would do. Mm-hmm. Sounds good in theory, but so does Keynesian. Yeah. Right? In theory. For some. <laughs> so does communism. Well, so does communism, right? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Lots of stuff can sound good. But in good. practice, yeah. and we haven't seen Austrian in yeah. practice, I'm not sold that if we did Austrian. I don't know the argument that why deflation is better than inflation. Mm-hmm. They both have benefits and they both have detriments. Well, and what seems to really like suck here is that you can't really test it without like really impacting real people's lives. That's the And that's like the thing. generations of people. Right. And it could very well be the, the dog... Catching the catching the mailman, and that it. And the mail truck, the dog catching the car. Oh, they chase right. the car. What are you gonna do when you catch it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and if it goes well, that's great. But if it doesn't go well, then well, that sucks. Well, we've for, just like, proven. Oh, at least we know though, people. right? So it would be cool if one country decided to try out pure Austrian, and then we could get a real working case yeah. scenario. But we don't have it, so maybe it works. Maybe it's like real economics. You know, this is the thing. This isn't even a hard science like physics or something. Mm-hmm. It's one of it's a social science, and these are all very flimsy. Yeah. Because it's like you can't really experiment until you experiment, and there's real consequences for experimenting. So is there one where it's like takes the good the good pieces of, of each of them and kind of like implements them? Or like that's like a very that's, up to interpretation, like I, what's good? I think it's up to interpretation what's good because what is good? Who gets to determine what's yeah. good? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as then soon as B, I said it, I was like, oh, maybe not. But there's, we have two options left. We have two things in modern economics left that don't take very long to talk about. <laughs> One. Unless I ask questions. Is, <laughs> is like a Bitcoin standard. Okay. And to not alienate people, I'm using Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is the one when you're talking about the money thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're a Monero person. Maybe you think Ether sound money. The principle aligns with all of them, mm-hmm. right? When it comes to it's us versus them in this regard, right? So you have this Bitcoin standard where the the base of it, because it's permissionless, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And because... Because it's not controlled by anybody, right? It's very decentralized in that nature, mm-hmm. and it's a distributed network. Mm-hmm. The, the, my favorite catchphrase of Bitcoin is opt out. I'm in the American society, right? What Bitcoin can allow me to do is opt out of that. I don't have to use modern monetary theory or Keynesian theory or even Austrian theory, even though Bitcoin ties a lot with Austrian economics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to use those. I can use them when I want to, but when it comes to preserving my wealth, mm-hmm. I cannot play their game. I can opt out and play the Bitcoin game. Can you give kind of an example of a situation where you would opt out? I, I think I know of one, but... Well, yeah. When it comes to saving, how am I going to say I get? I just I just made some money. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody let's say just gave me fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. Right? They gave me physical hundred dollar bills. Right? I have fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with it right now? I don't have to spend it. Mm-hmm. All of my needs for right now are taken care of, so I have an extra fifteen hundred dollars. What mm-hmm. do I do? Mm-hmm. I can keep it at the fifteen hundred dollars, but I know that every day. 
that purchasing power is drastically decreasing. In the best of times under a Keynesian or modern monetary theory, which is what we live under, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm losing 2% of that $1,500 purchasing Mm -hmm. power. So I'm not keeping my savings of $1,500 in cash. No. I can play the stock market game. Mm -hmm. That on average, when you're looking at decades, goes up 7% a year. Looking at Decades, But I know that's a foundation built off of modern monetary theory and Keynesian economics, and that's a bunch of rubbish, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Putting our saving, your retirement is now 401k. So every time the market takes a downturn, you got to work an extra 10, 15 years because you were about to retire, but oops. The 401jk. Yeah, (laughs) 401jk, good. Right? I can do gold, but if I had put $1,500 worth of into gold in 2001, Yeah. today I'd have about $1,500 worth of purchasing power. So it it preserved my wealth, but it didn't outpace inflation. It's barely outpacing inflation, right? So it's not the thing it used to be. Mm -hmm. With something like Bitcoin, I can opt out. I can say I don't want any of that because gold, even though it is before Bitcoin was the best thing we probably had, mm-hmm. but it was still very centralized in the fact that you had to dig it up out the ground or get it from somebody who already controlled it, and that's pretty much the U.S. government. Yeah. And what the U.S. government doesn't control, I think Germany controls most of what's left, mm-hmm. right? So I either got to dig it out the ground, but I got to get permission from a country to dig it out the ground, mm-hmm. and then they're going to tax half of it. Mm-hmm. Or I got to ask somebody to give it to me. And then I'm probably not getting the gold. I'm getting a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So it's just not the thing Yeah, Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. Right? So I can opt out of all of those options and do this one thing that's decentralized, not in anybody's control. I don't need to ask their permission. I don't have to trust that anybody that I have it as long as I'm custodying it. Mm-hmm. Right? And running my own node. But then that's going to... That's like... Um like a new frontier, like nobody knows it's how nobody knows like how that I know over four, system. I know over twelve years it's worked. T- today could be the last day it works mm-hmm. because time is a test, right? Time speaks all. Well, what's going to make the difference is when, when like your corner store, or you can start paying your bills. With that may or may not make a difference. No. I think there's a I think there's a strong. Um, disconnect there's there's a strong disconnect in understanding what money is mm-hmm. and what finance is mm-hmm. the 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 base concept especially a lot of like gold bugs and bitcoiners and crypto people will will go around around money is it has to have the um store of value means of exchange and uh Action. the uh it has to be priced things have to be priced in it oh Right? Um, so it has to be... Say, say those three again. So sound money, right, mm-hmm. is a good store of value. Mm-hmm. So it'll store it over time. Like gold doesn't decay. Mm-hmm. If I got gold and hold it for 50 years, I don't have to worry about it rotting like yeah. a banana. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's accepted as a means of exchange. More people than just me think it's valuable. Therefore, they'll accept it. If I say I want something you make, uh-huh. I'll give you some gold for it. You'll take it because... Yeah. You also believe in gold like I believe in it. Yeah. And then it's a uh, unit of account, right? That's it's how you price things. So right now, like, the dollar is it. So even as big of a believer in Bitcoin, we are like, how much is Bitcoin worth? Mm-hmm. Now me, I'm going to tell you, well, it's worth a Bitcoin. <laughs> how much is a dollar worth? Yeah. 
what you want to do is you, you want to use dollars as a unit of account. So right. you want me to say Bitcoin is worth $30,000. Right. But it's not. I would tell you $1 is worth, you know, 30,000 Satoshis or whatever. Yeah. Or 3,000 Satoshis, I think it would be closer. But so, whatever. You know, I would, get, I would put the unit account in a But society doesn't do that. So we're still in a unit of account. But even with that, with the dollar, right? A dollar is the unit of account. Everything's priced in dollars, mm -hmm. right? Oil, goods, no matter where you go. If you got that, things are priced in dollars. Euros are priced in dollars. Mm -hmm. Canadian dollars are priced in do U.S. dollars. Everything's mm -hmm. priced in dollars. Mm -hmm. It's a means of exchange. Everybody accepts it. Mm -hmm. Dollars aren't a store of value. Oh, so it's not okay. So no, it's not. It's a waste. Of, it, it evaporates yeah, 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 value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. when people think that one monetary asset has to contain all three, mm -hmm. like in purest forms, yeah. they're wrong. Yeah. Because nobody argues that. Well, people do argue that dollars aren't money, but dollars are money, but they're not stores of value. So people who have dollars, they'll use them for unit of account, they'll use them for means of exchange, but they'll store their value in stocks or gold yeah. or Bitcoin or well, Ethereum or whatever. So it's money, it's just not sound money. It was definitely not sound money. But then gold isn't sound money either because so nobody ever uses, it's a great store of value, mm -hmm. but who, who, measure, what, who, who uses gold as a unit of account? How much is that watch? Yeah. 3.4 ounces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody does that. Yeah. Who uses it as a means of exchange? Mm. They haven't used gold as a means of exchange yeah. in maybe millennia, mm -hmm. hundreds of years, definitely, maybe over a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And definitely not pure gold. That's been rotted down since pre-Roman times, mm -hmm. right? So it's not those. It's a great store of value, but they would call that sound money. Mm -hmm. Sound money doesn't have to be all three. It's it's made up. And this is the modern economics thing, right? It's, it's all made up. It's almost trilemma, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's what we believe it is. And this is where the modern monetary theorists sort of get things right. You can make up the rules. It's just about how do you get society to control those rules. My big qualm with like modern monetary theory is it always leads to the centralized control, which is the very last one we'll talk about as we wrap up. Okay. So we got Adam Smith with classical economics, right? Remember, we're talking very high level. There's branches of all this. Adam Smith with classical economics. You have Keynesian economics. You should do some classical stuff, but there should be definitely governmental safeguards and interventions. You have Austrian economics, which is like, nah, let's get rid of that government stuff. We need all money should be backed by sound money. Um, you have modern monetary theory, which is a derivative of Keynesian, right? Except they're even more whimsical with the rule set. We can just sort of make it up as we go. You have Bitcoin, let's opt out. And then you have the next iteration of modern monetary theory. The next step is central bank digital currencies, mm. which is let's do Bitcoin without the decentralization. Okay. Let's do native digital money, mm -hmm. right, that only lives on the internet, mm -hmm. but we control it. Not We meaning the governments yeah. or the rulers or yeah. whoever, not we the people. Mm -hmm. That 
is a huge difference. And it's going to, in my opinion, it's going to end up in a bit, something that looks like Bitcoin, if not Bitcoin itself. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to end up in something that's a CBDC. Everything else, I think, is off the table. We're going to end at one of these two situations right now. We're in a digital age. Unless, like, the sun gets blotted out or all technology dies and the Internet's dead and we go back to, like, 1900s way of living. Like an EMP. Then it goes back to, like, (laughs) bullets and water. Yeah. Right? That's going to be all our money. But in the the sense that society continues to push forward Mm -hmm. and we don't look at some shit hits the fan scenario, you're looking at a CBDC or a decentralized money base. You don't have another option. And that's sort of the the silent war we're having at, and that's what modern economics is about. But as you understand where we came from, mm-hmm. you can understand sort of what our options are moving forward. That's why it's important. Yeah. I have many, many questions, but I feel like I should save it for the block notes. Well, then check out the block <laughs> notes, because I'm going yeah. to end right now with asking you. Oh, boy. Why do, mo- why do modern economics matter? Um, crap. (laughs) Well, it's because, um, so we can move forward as a population, um, and have control over our own money and not crumble (laughs) into demise. Yeah, I agree. If you don't know where you're at or where you've been, you sure as hell don't know where the hell you're going. Yeah. And you walk in circles. Yeah. So, yeah. There it is. We got more questions, and we're going to follow them up on the block notes, which will come out on YouTube only probably on Thursday because we're moving weekly. From this point forward, there will be a new episode of the Blockument every week, every Sunday at a, uh, what time is it? 11 a.m. Eastern, there will be a new episode of the Blockument. Um, So, therefore, every... We haven't really set a date for the new block notes. They used to be Thursdays, but now if we're coming out every Tuesday, so maybe, or every Sunday, Wednesdays? How's Wednesday sound? I'm happy with it. We're going to do it Wednesdays. (laughs) Hump day Wednesday. Hump day Wednesday. Get you over to hump. (laughs) So every Sunday, check out the blockument at theblockument.com. During during the... uh during the bowl, we can call it Pump Day Wednesday. Pump Day Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, you like that? Um, <laughs> and on Pump Day Wednesday, um, check out Block Notes, which will we'll get a little bit deeper and make me spit about out. a 10-minute episode <laughs> following this episode around the same topics. Um, that'll come out Wednesday and just live that cycle for the rest of your life. <laughs> All right. Where, where else can they check us out besides theblockument.com? Um, at the Blockument on um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, um, and then theblockument.com. Yeah, that's all right. And uh, you can get links to resources from today's episode. You can listen to the bla- past episodes. Check us out at theblockument.com. Hit us up on any of our social medias or YouTube comments or whatever, and uh, tell us if you want more of this different show ideas if you got more questions we can answer them Mm -hmm. um and since we're testing out a new day for the black notes release let us know if wednesday's pump day works for you (laughs) um he's really running with that (laughs) yeah i like it well pumponomics the pumponomics pamp pimp the uh tokens was a thing during the last bull run so yeah yeah so why can't we do pump day wednesday i love it I'm with it. All right. So until then, come for the riches.
Stay for the revolution. Peace. Peace.